Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Asha Euron. You would have heard Asha before on the previous episode, and we're going to carry on our conversation today talking about coffee and how we can get the most out of it. Asha, thanks so much for coming on again. My pleasure. So, we had a massive interview where we talked about the health benefits and why we want to be drinking fresh coffee. And I hope everyone's excited now, as I am, that we want to get our own little roasting machine at home and be the best barista that we truly can be and drink this fresh stuff that actually has a whole other element to it that makes us feel so different. And now that they're making it, and that so they're, they're, go, they're sourcing the green beans and they're roasting it and they're um, they're going to start brewing it. I want to get more into the brewing process now. So, if if I can um, talk, start talking um, about brewing, a fascinating story that I read in your book was the cold brew process uh-huh. and how you tested the optimal time to make a cold brew. So, I don't think people are cold brewing at home yet, but just to talk about, yeah, that how brewing coffee has a different element to it and brewing fresh coffee and, and the timing of that. So, if you would, could you tell us the story about what you discovered with cold brew coffee? Yeah. So, um, actually, so there's a step before the brewing and that is the grinding. And I think uh, I should just mention a couple of things there because that's really quite important. Um, so, the grinding is taking the whole beans that's just been freshly roasted. And there are basically two different kinds of grinders. There's a blade grinder, which is like a blender, right? Which uh, has a blade and um, like chops. Cho- the bean. Yeah, it's like it, it cho- literally it, it chops the coffee, right? And it does a very poor job of consistency. And the grind is extremely important, especially when you have brewing processes that are more concentrated. So, for instance, a stovetop espresso, mocha pot, um, any espresso machine, the key element there is you have to have a really good grinder. So the other grinding method is called a burr grinder, B-U-R-R. That's a type of grinder. That's not a brand of grinder. And what a burr is, is if you you... Imagine some gears, right? And the coffee goes through these gears and these these gears fit into each other and it's grinding the coffee that way. And once the coffee goes through, it goes into a holding tank. So the coffee is going through once through those grinders and going into a holding tank. It's a much, much more consistent way to grind coffee. Whereas the blade grinder... It's not going through anywhere. You're just turning on that that blade, and it's chopping the coffee nearest the blade much more finely than it is the coffee in the outer the outer part. So you end up shaking it, you're trying to mix it and stuff, and it's just really a not very efficient way. And I've, it, I, it's funny because I've seen a, a couple uh, Italian famous Italian named machines that are blade grinders. And they're just more expensive. That makes absolutely no sense because it's the kind of 
grind method you're using that makes the difference, not if it's an Italian company with an Italian name. It makes no mm-hmm. difference. So I recommend a burr grinder, and there's a flat blade, flat blade burr grinder, and there's also something called a conical burr grinder. I don't think it's that much of a difference. The conical burr grinder is a lot more expensive, and um, it doesn't heat up the coffee as much as the flat burr grinder. Personally, I don't think there's that much of a difference. If you're using a burr grinder versus a blade grinder, that's a much bigger difference. And you can get a burr grinder for like 50 bucks. It's not that expensive. I think it's probably the one of the best investments you can make in your coffee. If you're using a blade grinder, you switch to a burr grinder, your coffee is going to be much, much better right away. So there's okay. a good top tip for anyone straight away. Yeah. So so now there's different brewing methods, and some are weaker than others. So we start off a brewing method of, let's say, like a French press. And with a French press, you're using a coarser grind. Coarser grind means the coffee is bigger pieces, so it's not going to uh, be as dense um, when you're finished with it. It's a lighter uh uh, coffee, and you're pouring hot water into this French press, stirring it, and then letting it sit for four or five minutes, and then putting the plunger down, and you have your coffee. That's a very simple method. It makes a weaker cup of coffee. Um, the the next method after that that makes a stronger cup of coffee. So I put French press among the most weakest coffees. Now. A lot of people like weak coffee like that. They don't like coffee really strong, you know? And mm. uh, so it, 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 it's, it's, I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just, just on personal preference. And I think that everyone should experiment. But it's very affordable to get a French press and not expensive. It's a very simple process, um, uh, it, but it makes a weak coffee. The second would be like a drip, a drip brewer. Where- Sorry, Yesha, just before you, uh, Asha, before you get into that, um, I just want to also help listeners know that you have a picture in your book that shows a French press coffee and the crema that's on it. And I've never seen a crema like that on a French press I've ever had. So, again, it's, you know, the French press I think we've all been accustomed to is completely different to the French press experience that you've probably experienced with fresh coffee. That's right. When you're using that fresh roasted coffee, I mean, every brew is going to be better. It's not, it's not about the brewing experience. It's about the fresh roasted. So, when I make, a French press with freshly roasted coffee and you pour the hot water in it, it blooms. Okay. And that's what that crema is about. It's like a volcano. It's unbelievable. It's so active and alive. And why is that? Because there are more chemicals there. Obviously it just makes logical sense and you can see it with your eyes and you've never experienced anything like that before. And when you see it bloom like that, you see that thick crema, you realize Wow, those are the chemicals. That's the drugs. I'm not going to be taking that into my body. And it's not going to be detrimental. It's going to make me feel really good, you know? Mm. So um, that's that one of the best visual ways to see what that fresh roasting process is doing is to make a French press and use older coffee for the French press, pour hot water on it, see what happens, and then use fresh roasting coffee that's just been ground, ground and Wow, and you see the difference, and it is dramatic. You never see anything like it. 
but yeah, it's a very, it's a very good point. Very good point. So sorry, you can move into drip coffee now. I just want to so let drip, people know, yeah, French, yeah, French press, coffee fresh coffee, be, yeah, would be like a, a Mr. Coffee machine, any drip coffee machine, right? And mm-hmm. for drip coffee, you're grinding it finer than a French press, and you're putting it into this um, with a filter, you're putting it uh, to the top of the filter, and then the water is uh, dripping on top of it, and then going through and brewing into the pot below, right? So one of the tricks that I recommend doing is because a lot of times the, the water may not be hitting, all, all the grounds may not be absorbing that water. So you have dry spots. So what I like to do with the drip coffee brewer is let the, the water fill up halfway and take a spoon, stir it around. Make sure all those grounds are coming in contact with the water because that's what's going to make uh, the coffee stronger. I mean, that's, that's really what the brewing process is all about. The, the coffee grinds have to hit the water in order to turn the water a different color. If you're just getting a, a limited amount of grinds on the water, then it's going to be a much weaker coffee. So that's a, uh-huh. that's a hack, let's say, uh, with a drip coffee brewer. It puts it, – it, it, the water's in there. Just make sure you can you stir it up, and uh, you're going to have a better cup of coffee. And also, what you know is you, is what you see also is the bloom as well. You will see the reaction. You will see a crema when that water hits that fresh roasted and freshly ground coffee, and it's very different from what you usually uh, have seen. And the smell, it's it's a much different uh, process. The whole thing it really makes it much. Well, that makes yeah. I've I've heard about st- it's important to stir your brewed coffee, you know, halfway through, um, just to, and it makes complete sense now as to why you want to stir. It's because you want to make sure all the surface area of the ground coffee is gets touches water, so you can extract out extract exactly, the chemicals out of it. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. It's simple, you know, but yeah, people don't think about it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't even think about that in a drip machine. Um, to, to do that yeah, process. You know, I've noticed some of those drip machines, some of those drip machines will drip the uh, the water just in a very limited area. And if you have a lot of grounds in there, especially if you want to make a stronger cup and you have a lot of ground, brines in there, maybe some of those grounds aren't come, coming in contact with the water. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So that's drip coffee, which will be a, a very common um, device that people would use in their homes. What what yeah. would be another brewing method that you would move on to? Uh, so so another one would be the mocha pot, which is also called the stovetop espresso. And this was invented in the 1930s in Italy by a guy called Bialetti. And what it is was he wanted to, to make a, an espresso-like brew but without a big espresso machine that is using tons of electricity it's very expensive to run if you're only making uh, coffee by yourself at home and this became the best selling uh coffee brew method in italy very quickly when it was uh when it when it first came out and just about every italian household has one of these i mean it's really uh, incredible very um, very famous, the Bialetti um, mocha pot. And what it is, is there. It, there's three parts to it. There's a lower part where you put the water, 
And then there is um, the porta filter, which is uh, the part that fits in to where the water reservoir is underneath. And that's where you put the ground coffee. And then there's a top that screws on. And in the top part, there is a pipe that goes up. So the, the idea is this. The water at the bottom reservoir boils, forces its way up into the coffee sitting just above it, and then forces its way further up this pipe that then uh, comes out in the top reservoir. So it's transferring uh, the water through the coffee from the bottom out into the top and this is also yeah yeah it's a beautiful thing to watch when you lift the the lid and you can watch it like flowing out like a fountain yeah yeah that's exactly how i I, that's exactly how i make it at home um Mm. because it's uh um uh, i don't have a a huge uh espresso machine so i i use the mocha pot and i i keep the lid up because i want to see the crema i want to see the flow of that just like what you're uh, mentioning what you're talking about but this makes a very strong cup of coffee. Mm. It really makes a very strong brew, and it's inexpensive. You know, maybe you can buy one for thirty dollars or so. And then the neat thing is, all of the uh, the the filters and the rubber seals are replaceable, so you can literally have that same machine for decades. And maybe once every year, once every two years, you're, you're replacing the uh, filter and the rubber gaskets, the rubber seals, but they sell those separately. So it's very easy to uh, replace. So it's inexpensive, really inexpensive. So now you're talking about a grinder, 50 bucks, maybe a uh, stovetop espresso for 30 bucks. You're under a hundred bucks. And now if you, if uh, you're able to, uh, you know, buy a roaster for two, 300 bucks, um, it's really very affordable and you'll have better coffee than any coffee shop would bake. Because mm-hmm. most coffee shops are not roasting their own coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that so it sounds like the mocha pot is a good solution for people who enjoy strong espresso yes. type coffees. The best solution if they if they like a really strong cup of coffee, I mm-hmm. highly recommend the mocha pot. Okay, yeah, it works really well. So this other process, so it's it's interesting how I came to this process of cold brew, how I discovered it because I had never heard of it before. And I started roasting my own coffee. This is in Oregon. And I realized I started sharing with my friends. And they loved it. They couldn't believe that uh, his coffee was so good. And I knew that I had to get it to them right after roasting. And they had to use it right away. And I started to supply the local co-op in Ashland, Oregon, the Ashland Food Co-op. And I wanted to be different than all the other coffee that was offered there and so i put roast dates on my packaging and i told them every three days i'm gonna pick up anything that hasn't sold and i'm gonna replace it with my new roast because i don't want my roasted coffee out there more than three days from when it was roasted because i knew i had to i had to have a better coffee than everybody else and no one else at that time was putting uh, roast dates on their packaging. 
And I said, this is going to be the freshest coffee. And I was just a little small, you know, entrepreneur. I mean, there are bigger companies supplying um, the local co-op. But, uh, you know, a few people noticed and they'd always go for my coffee and they saw right on the package when it was roasted. And I would go there every three days and pick up anything I didn't sell. And I would literally get a sick feeling in my stomach when I had to pick up coffee that didn't sell. Because now this coffee is three days old. What am I going to do with it? I really didn't want to throw it out. I want to do everything green and sustainable. And it's, it's past its prime. I yeah, avoid food waste. Yeah. And, and, and that would make me sick. I hated it. Right? So um, through raw food, through eating raw food, I discovered there were a few raw food restaurants that offered cold brewed coffee. Cold cold pressed or cold, cold brewed coffee. And I wondered what that was and did a little research and saw that that process has been around for a couple hundred years in uh, Japan. And the Dutch actually, uh, in the 1940s, um, promoted it quite a bit and were, and were using it. And what the cold brew co- process is, is you take the coffee and you brew it with cold water instead of hot water. And all those three processes that I just described are using hot water to brew the coffee because it's extracting the most through the hot water. So if you use it as a cold brew process, you're using cold water, kind of like a sun tea. So anybody who's made sun tea, you know, you have tea bags and water and you put it out in the sun and it's not getting hot like it would as if you boiled the water. But what you're doing is you're leaving it in a longer period of time so that it takes a longer period of time to extract the, the flavor and the elements from the cold brew process. So what I discovered was that this cold brew process uh, had different lengths, different hours to brew the coffee, anywhere from 12 hours to 24 hours. And also you can use different grinds, you can use different recipes as far as how much coffee to how much water. All, all that stuff is variable. So I started to experiment, and I got a commercial cold brew maker. And I started testing, tasting, and experimenting with all those different factors. And after a couple of years, what I discovered was that the best cold brew in my opinion, was a brew that was 24 hours. Now, compare that to an espresso machine, which is 25 seconds. You're brewing that coffee through an espresso machine at high pressure and heat for 25 seconds and making a shot of espresso. Whereas the cold brew, you're sitting, that, that, that ground coffee is sitting in cold or room temperature water for 24 hours before you're separating the grinds from the liquid. Huge difference, right? Yeah, yeah that's uh, massive. And But the grinds is different also. That's what I found. If you grind it too fine, then you're extracting too much uh, of the uh, acidity and some of the undesirable things of the coffee. So the... The studies that were out there said that that cold brew method had up to 70% less acid 
than coffee brewed with hot water. That is a huge amount, 70% less acid. And when I started to try it and taste it, it was really smooth. I couldn't believe it. So smooth, less acidic, less bitter, but also had a really good energizing effect. Almost, mm. it, it felt a little different to me, the energizing effect. It felt more like a time release. When I had that cold brew coffee in the morning, I felt energized for hours, six to eight hours I could go on, on that. It didn't feel like I wanted any food or anything else. I mean, it was really very, very energizing. So I started to experiment with taste. And what I found was that when I fresh roasted the coffee and then used the cold brew method, if I used coffee that was just roasted, it was way too sour. And it makes sense because what it was drawing out of the coffee is antioxidants, but the coffee is a citrus, it's a fruit, it's a citrus fruit, it's a cherry. So those antioxidants were creating a very sour taste. And the sour taste almost is like sour milk somehow. It, it just tastes like it's spoiled. It doesn't taste like coffee. It just tastes off, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I tried two days later, still too sour. Three days later, a lot more balanced. And then four days later, and it started to deteriorate the other way. So I came up with a recipe that had me wait three days because it, it was the best. It tasted the best. Now, it doesn't really make sense from the other method that I'm using is using coffee right after roasting. I recommend hot, if you're brewing with hot water, use it right mm -hmm. after roasting. But with this cold brew method, it, it, it wasn't good. It was way too sour tasting. You know, didn't like it. it took three days for that to, for, to dissipate. So that was the key to this whole system that I then created where I could go back to the Ashland Food Co-op and any coffee that wasn't sold, I'd take back. And I'd make my cold brew with it because it was three days old. And when I made the cold brew, I bottle it. And if you take the cold brew and you bottle it and put it in the refrigerator, it lasts minimum three weeks without any deterioration. No preservatives, nothing, just the coffee. Three weeks in the refrigerator as the cold brew method, it doesn't change. It's really good. Yeah, I love. I just love that idea when I read it in your book to think, wow. So that's one way that we could make coffee um, in a in batch. So I'm just thinking, if people are super time restricted for whatever reason during the week. They could batch cold brew on the weekend and then ha and have this ready for them during the week that they just open the fridge and there's some cold brew in their fridge. Absolutely, absolutely, it's great that way. And then you can just heat it up. Because it, it, it's a great hot coffee too. You don't have to have a cold. You can heat yeah, that I, up. I, I never knew this. I've never coffee. heard of heating up cold brew before. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, that's how I would uh, have my cold brew. If I made a batch like that in the refrigerator in the morning, I want a hot cup of coffee. I don't want an iced coffee. So I just heat it on the stove, not in the microwave. I don't recommend the microwave because it changes the molecular structure of foods and, and liquids. Um, but uh, if you heat it up in a pan on the stove, um, then, wow, it makes a beautiful, smooth cup of coffee that's very energized. It has lower acid. 
and and the lower acid uh, is really important for many people. So I, I was making my cold brew coffee, and I started to deliver my cold brew coffee in in uh, ball jars, some of these old ball jars, and I deliver uh, my cold brew. I think I was 24 ounces at a time uh, to people, and also because of part of it was now part of my system. I roast fresh, and anything that didn't sell three days old, boom! I'm making my cold brew, and now I'm selling my cold brew. So it makes my whole system completely green, sustainable, and has zero waste because we sell all the cold brew that we make uh, here in Bali. And I. Got a call one day. This is back when I was in Oregon from this woman who was terminally ill. And she loved coffee, but her doctor would not let her drink coffee because it was way too acidic and it threw it made an imbalance in her system. And she said she had heard that my coffee had 70% less acid. And I, I said, Yeah, well, this is the cold brew coffee that um, um creating. And she, she checked with her doctor. Her doctor said she could have that. It had 70% less acid. And I started delivering my cold brew coffee to her. And this is a woman. She had cancer, terminally ill. She was on 18 different medications. And she loved this cold brew coffee so much. And every time I went to deliver, she would tell me how important it was for her. The, the coffee got her up in the morning. She was excited to make her coffee, to drink it, and then she got engaged in life. You know, so reading the newspaper, um, she'd just be engaged in physical activities, and the coffee helped to bridge that gap. Whereas before, she didn't want to get out of bed; she had nothing to look forward to. And now she had this coffee that was going to make her feel great, and she even said it took away her pain more than her pain medication. The coffee took away her pain. I think it because, you know, maybe it shifted her focus. So now, you know, when you're totally focused on something and you have pain in your body, you're, all of a sudden that pain's not there anymore, right? Because you shifted your consciousness and your focus. Um, but she convinced me how, how really important as a substance that coffee is and, and that this cold brew was for her. It literally changed her life and, and made her... Uh, look forward to waking up in the morning yeah yeah i love love those good stories about coffee uh so with because when i was in the states last year um i saw cold brews becoming so popular and also over here in the uk now um but from what and that's why i said i i always see it bought, you know pre-packaged and um then people are drinking cold and that it, just what you said again that actually you know you can heat it up it just blows my mind and i'm just thinking are there any coffee shops and i don't know if your coffee shop would do it too where your your cafe where you you would you would heat up the cold brew for a customer oh yeah absolutely we do it all the time if yeah. someone wants if someone wants cold brew hot then uh, we'll just use the espresso machine just use the steam wand pour it cold in the refrigerator into a milk jug and steam wand it and now it's hot i've done that many times so it's kind of like making cold brew into an espresso uh, in uh, americano. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Now I, I want to try that. I've never done it, so um, that's another coffee experience you've you've put on my checklist that I need to do. <laughs> it's, it, it's a really nice, smooth cup of coffee. I mean, it it really is remarkable how 
uh, how smooth it is. Yeah, and also then I guess we've got we were talking in our previous episode about the the freshness factor, and you've mentioned it already. So the cold brew that people might be consuming at supermarkets when they're buying the commercial cold brew um that's a different experience again would you say because the the coffee used in that is not going to be the three-day old coffee like you found with your experiment yeah exactly i mean the questions are so if it's on the label as as it it hits all those areas then i'd say okay go for it but if they don't know first of all is it 100 percent arabica or is it a blend? Is there there's some robusta in it? Where's the coffee from? What's the origin of that coffee? Right? When was that coffee roasted? If it was roasted more than three days, then you're not going to get as um, as good benefits out of. What was the brewing process? A lot of these cold brews are 12 to 16 hours, and in my opinion, it makes a very weak coffee. I would rather, and I've experimented a lot with that. I, I really like the 24 hour brew because it is really strong and if you don't like it that strong just dilute it with a little water then the bottle lasts you twice as long if you Mm. if you took that cold brew that 24 hour and you added as much water to it as the coffee now you have two bottles and not just like one bottle of coffee right so why not give give uh, satisfy people who like a very strong cup and if you don't like a strong cup okay so you don't have to use as much and you'll have more coffee so it's that uh, that the brew time as well so those are the, the three things that i would uh that, that you have to ask the question okay so i'm now manufacturing I'm, I'm now in the process of creating a home cold brew maker because there has been one on the market since the 1970s, and it's called the Toddy, T-O-D-D-Y. And it's called the Toddy because the guy who created it, I think his name is like Todd Simpson or something like that, and he created this uh, cold brew method and the, the method of making it. And what it pretty much is is a few plastic pieces, a um, plastic container where the coffee drips into uh, um, a plastic piece where you put the grinds and then uh, a plastic piece on top where you pour the water. It's all all plastic, and I'm not a big fan of plastic. So I'm making a home stainless steel uh, model that is similar to the stainless steel commercial model that I'm now creating. And um, uh, so I want to... um, offer that to people and that that will be something that i'll have on the powerroaster.com site um i haven't mentioned that yet in this but uh that on on my sites i want to people to have access to all these uh different methods of brewing and um i want to be able to do that affordably because i think that's really very important and also Mm -hmm. with materials that will last the, the 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 plastic piece i think it's about 30 dollars really inexpensive for the toddy um kit to make cold brew coffee and you can do a, a search uh, anyone can do a search online t-o-d-d-y and look it up it's a cold brew um brand uh but uh they use plastic and i'm just not not a big fan of that yeah no I, i'm i'm also a uh 
I prefer not, especially um, I'm going to have another guest on where we talk about things that come from plastic um, and and hot plastic. You know, when you're putting a hot liquid that touches a plastic, I think a lot of listeners also they don't, they don't want to they don't want to uh, experience potential leaching of chemicals that come from that. But I love the idea that you you'll be able to bring the power of of home of cold brewing into the home again because I am seeing a rise in in cold brew popularity and what you're talking about here is is all that hacking all that experimentations where you get to learn oh this is how I like my cold brew and yeah. you've shared some great tips again that people can start experimenting when they do get a unit to to play with at home to to get a better experience out of their cold brew yeah so um my so my experience has been that you know some people are are really into coffee and for for, for them this just makes total sense they're do it yourself or they'll take to it they'll do it they'll do it on their own and then you have people who just can't be bothered right so they'll just buy what's in the stores and uh they don't want to spend any time uh doing it but then you have a big population i think in the middle that once they experience the difference of doing it themselves at home and experience the quality difference, it's so dramatic that they'll take to it. So I, I really see this as something that is going to the home with all of the, the, the roasting, the brewing, brewing methods, all these different ways. Because it's like taking um the most important substance that you take during the day and now making it yourself how you like it and in a way that is creating the best product available anywhere yeah and as you mentioned in the previous episode we did about the ceremony and the three steps that are involved in the th- in the ceremony Right. Um, roasting, so, grinding, and brewing, and the uh, and, and and taking that to, from green to cup. Yeah, from yeah. green to cup. I mean, that is amazing. You're doing it all in your home, and you're doing it in a matter of minutes. So we've we've talked about some good pro- uh, processes so far. I uh, just want to touch on a couple of other ones before our, our time. Um, the AeroPress is really popular. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I haven't used the AeroPress uh, a lot, but um, I think it's uh, I think it's a great design, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, really like it. And um, it's just a a brewing method. So here's the thing about these these different brewing methods, uh, and th- there was just a Kickstarter campaign for something called the Right Press, R I T E Press, and they. They raised over a million dollars for this thing. And what it is, it's engineered, and it, it's pretty much a French press, but it has a removable bottom, so it's just easy to clean. It's the only difference. It looks good, and it's just a lot easier to clean because, because the French press usually you know, can be a pain to clean. It's messy. You get a lot of grinds that you have to spoon out of the bottom. But this has the bottom just unscrews and just dump it out right into your garden, right? Raised a million dollars. 25,000 units, something like that, that, that they sold, right? And this is the thing that, um, that kind of that gets to me. So people 
think that that method is going to make them better coffee. And it's not. The only thing it's doing is it's going to make it a little more convenient. Or, or with an AeroPress, if you're using the same coffee, all that's going to do is maybe make the brew a little better. But it's not going to change much. It's not going to change than if you're using fresh roasted coffee. That will make the biggest difference, hands down, with anything that you're doing. If you want to improve your coffee experience, you've got to roast it yourself. Mm. And yeah, we we discussed that with the the different waves and how people were too focused maybe on just the taste or aroma. And as you said, there's a whole other aspect that's unlocked when you look at fresh coffee. And yeah, it's so you're trying to be the best barista at home with your different brew methods, but you'll actually get a better experience. And probably uh, the, the one question I actually didn't ask you was what from a taste perspective, what did you find the differences between fresh coffee and let's call it coffee that's been roasted for weeks or months from a taste perspective? Ah, so uh, the, the biggest difference is people will say when they taste fresh roasted coffee, it's not bitter. I don't taste any bitterness. And then if you have coffee that's been sitting for, for weeks or months, it only tastes bitter. So how is that possible? No bitterness on the fresh roast, and then it, it becomes bitter. It develops into this bitterness. No, nothing develops. Once the coffee is roasted, it just decomposes. Nothing develops from from that state. Okay, but what happens is when it's fresh roasted like that, there are lots of other tastes there. There are lots of other elements. There's sour taste. There's sweet taste. The bitterness, it's there, but it's overpowered by these other elements. And what happens is these other elements are the first to leave the coffee. So as the coffee is aging, it's becoming more bitter, but it's not really becoming more bitter. The bitterness is more exposed because these other elements are leaving. And that's mm. the main that's the main thing. So Sour taste, the antioxidants, sour, the, like we talked in the cold brew, the sour mm -hmm. taste, when it's, when it's too fresh cold brew, it's very sour. Those sour tastes are antioxidants. I will bet that that cold brew after a day is going to give you a lot more antioxidants than after three days, if you don't mind that sour taste. Most people do not like that sour taste. But if you, if you, can, if you don't mind that sour taste, you just want a healthier coffee, then drink it right after then do a cold brew right after roasting because it's going to have those sour tastes. That's those sour tastes, which have the antioxidants, they're the first to leave the coffee, depending on when you brew it. If you just pull a shot of espresso and you leave it sit there for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it's less sour after every second, after every minute, even more. So it's almost the same. If you pull that shot of espresso and you try it right after you pull that shot of espresso, it doesn't taste bitter at all. And there's so much going on in there. It's so fresh, right? But if you leave that shot, let's say for a minute and a half, and then you taste it, it's going to taste bitter because all of those elements that were created have already gone. 
they've left. They're, they're volat- what they, it's called volatiles, and they don't mm-hmm. last around very long. So that's a similar experience of tasting the fresh roasted coffee and coffee that's been roasted days, weeks, or months before that's been sitting there. And what you're saying too, that's so interesting where I'm just thinking of a typical experience someone would have when they go down to their coffee shop to meet a friend for a cup of coffee and, you know, the barista then does does the coffee for them and then they, they bring it to the table and people might just have a little sip and then leave it for a long time whilst they're chatting. And just thinking whilst you're talking, your coffee's degrading yeah. and you're getting a different different experience from your coffee yeah. in, that, in that situation. So, if you're an espresso drinker, is it then a top tip is to is to order your espresso and then shoot it down like exactly. I see people do in Italy? You know, and that's exactly how they do it in Italy. They have espresso bars. And that's exactly how they do it. They hit the shot of espresso. There it is. They shoot it down. They're on their way. They don't yeah. stop for very long. They're not sipping. They're not sippers, you know. They're yeah. taking it in, uh, in right away. That's what I noticed when I traveled there, and I'm like, wow, you know, it's a different, it's a completely different culture for drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, and what you just said there, that's what just got me thinking, like, oh, fascinating, interesting. Yeah. It, 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 it's like they're tuning in to the chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. Just give mm-hmm. me a shot. I just want a shot. Boom. Okay. I'm done. You know, I'm, 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 on, my, I'm on my way. That's exactly what I needed. Thank you. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to try that. Just shoot an espresso rather than sip an espresso. So that just to and see you that what notice that, that when you're sipping it, it taste is changing. Hmm. Every every second, the taste is changing. You know, hmm. nothing's developing. Doesn't make sense that things are developing after it's already cooked, right? That's kind of yeah. like you know cooking cooking food. So the the tastes are developing. No, no, nothing's. It's. <laughs> It's decomposing. Now, why does yeah. food uh, – but but sometimes with some food, uh, uh, it tastes better the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Probably a reason for that. So, maybe because uh, some of the, um, the the tastes that were there that have now deteriorated and left aren't there anymore and you're, you're, you're tasting other stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, would you have any other top tips for people that like to go to coffee shops when they speak with their barista, that some of the lingo or the language that they could ask to customize or make sure? So, like the one thing is, a, I, 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 I hate it when I go to a coffee shop and the barista cooks the coffee too much. It's just, it's just, it's boiling when, when I get it. It's just so hot. You can't drink it. Um, and I didn't know, is there like a way that I can ask a barista you know, don't cook the coffee or are there any other top tips you would recommend to people? Well, I always, so when I go into a coffee shop, I always ask, when was this coffee roasted? Is it 100% Arabica? Um, and usually my, my answers are unsatisfactory, so I don't order coffee. (laughs) 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 Because usually the barista has no idea when it was roasted. Or they have to go uh-huh. back and look on a look on the package, and it might be two weeks old. You know, you know, no thanks. I don't want to uh, to drink that kind of coffee. So I think that, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, uh, I think a no win experience if you're going into a coffee shop and 
asking those questions to the barista because um, the, the barista isn't trained with this knowledge that, that we're talking about. And um, they won't know how to respond. And of course, they think that they know a lot more than you do about coffee because they've been trained and they learn and practice certain things without testing themselves. It just, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, it's kind of uh, difficult at, at the moment, 10 years from now, when you walk into a coffee shop and you see green coffee and you can choose your origin, you can choose your vintage year, whatever that, that will be, uh, the difference. And, and that will be when, um, uh, I think the the consumer and the barista will be on the same level, but that that's why baristas get you know caught the the, the term coffee snob, and um, the, there just seems to be an attitude of some people who work at coffee shops like they know it all, they know better, and. I don't yeah, it's true at all. I think actually, by knowing more, they know less because they know more of things that aren't necessarily true or the wrong things. You know. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah so. and I think what what you've explained also is that because we're all individual, we all have different tastes and different experiences of coffee and. You know, it's a journey for both the barista and us and maybe even the barista to find out. They're, I think of them like a chef. You know, they're cooking my coffee for me and right. and or the roaster is too. Um, but it, it would be interesting to find out, are you sort of more medium roast, light roast, a dark roast, you know? Uh, you, all these questions, as you said, that we'll probably 10 years from now all be having these conversations yeah. when we're ordering our cup of coffee, which will be a, a, a fantastic experience when, when going out to meet a friend, I think. Um, so we've come up on our time again. Um, what are the, what are the links that people can find out more about you and uh, keep in touch with you? Right. So there's two sites. One is for our, our products or roasting machines and the future we're going to add some uh, grinding and brewing machines and that's powerroaster.com. www.powerroaster.com. And then there's another site that we're putting together called coffeetruther.com. And on that site, I have my YouTube Coffee University videos. I've done about 57 different instructional videos about different aspects uh, of coffee on my YouTube Coffee University channel. Those will all be listed on the Coffee Truther site. That's coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E-T-R-U-T-H-E-R.com. And I will also have my book on that site. That, that site we're putting together as a compilation of all this information, all these the videos I've made, articles I've written um, in like a one one stop shop for for the information. And it's all it's freely given. I just want to get this information uh, out there and have people try this on their own because I believe it really makes uh, an incredible difference. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, we can all get a degree in coffee from your site yeah, with actually, your YouTube videos. Yeah. So uh, on my videos, uh, I call the university, I call it coffee university and people had to 
to watch each video and log each video, and they get a certain amount of credits for logging um, for watching the video. Let's say two credits per video, and the videos are only like uh, three or four minutes long. And then when they repeat it, watch it again, they get half as much credit because I'm a big believer in repetition and not getting mm -hmm. everything all at the same time. You know, when you hear something three, four, five, six times, it really sinks in. You get it on a whole different level than if you just hear something once, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, before I was offering coffee university diplomas that I would uh, print out for people who got a certain number of credits, I think it was like 100 credits, 108 credits, something like that. Um, I'm not doing that anymore, but I highly recommend um, educating and, and watching these and, and also seeing other points of view. There's a lot more out there that, um, that people are talking about. One of the things I recommend is joining a Facebook group, a coffee roaster Facebook group, Home Coffee Roasters. I have been a part of this Facebook group for just a few weeks, and the amount of information out there and the amount of people who are so passionate about coffee and showing what they're doing and sharing information it's the most active Facebook group I've ever been involved in. I mean, it's really amazing. Every day people are joining and, and everyone's talking about what they're doing to roast their own coffee and where they're sourcing equipment, materials, green coffee, all that kind of thing. That's really very exciting. And I think that site is Home Coffee Roasters. It's a Facebook site. It's an open group. It, you can ask to join the group and... People are joining, and if you don't have any coffee experience, I recommend it because it's a great place to learn uh, about roasting, home roasting, and coffee. Brilliant. Well, I'll put all of those links in the show notes for for listeners. And I just want to say thank you again for all of the knowledge bombs you've dropped about coffee in episode one, about why we need to be drinking fresh roast coffee, and in this episode about brew methods and tips and yeah there's just so many good actionable tips that people can take away so i just want to say thank you again asher for coming on hey you're welcome it's been a pleasure i really enjoyed it